Yes. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. And you're in the Transporter Room. This week, two big interviews with two very controversial and outstanding transgender athletes. We have Athena Del Rosario, a Team USA handball goalie, former soccer goalie, an amazing athlete who is with us in Outsports Pride, and she is the only person besides Ryan O'Callaghan who has appeared at Outsports Pride twice. We've profiled her, we've interviewed her, and this week we have her on tape discussing issues about drag, about the coronavirus, and how she's doing. Also, Caitlyn Jenner, for the first time in four years, we talked about what she's learned. And the big headline is, she realizes she didn't know as much as she thought she did. But first, Carly, I gotta ask you, how are you doing? How are you holding up? I'm holding up. You know, I'm 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 holding up as best as as best as I can. I mean, the, the good thing is I'm not holding up by myself. I've got an I've got, I got two I got two wonderful roommates. I mean, life for the most part is good. I, I checked in with family, they're doing okay. I've checked in with friends like yourself and they're doing okay. We're we're I mean, I'll admit it's a it's a very difficult time. At times it can be really depressing. At times it can be it can be hard because for me, it's tough because I'm going into one of my favorite times of year, springtime and summertime. And it looks like it's going to be a summer without the crack of the bat, without the roar of engines, without feeling without like feeling the breath in the air at a road race or or feeling the wind rush through your hair riding a roller coaster. It may it may be a year without it. And it, it does get to you a little bit, but it's things like this. And also having the opportunity to talk to different people and, and, you know, Zoom conferences and, and getting some FaceTime, some people that have made it more bearable. I got to be honest, I'm struggling. I, I've, I've had friends die. Um, I've reached a point where I'm having trouble motivating myself to work. Uh, I, um, I wish I had the luxury that most people seem to have of, Trying to find things to do. I'm overwhelmed with deadlines. Um, I'm behind on some. I finally reached a point over the weekend where I knew that I could not, um, I just could not uh, get through this without some help. So I've uh, reached out and I have some um, medication that's going to help me with my anxiety. I had a cutback uh, severely on my news consumption, which is my life. I love and live and breathe news, but I, it's getting to be too hard to um, constantly hear the drumbeat of a thousand people dying at once, of people dying alone, of people like yourself having to attend a funeral via Zoom. Even if it's not because of the coronavirus, you lost someone close to you, and the grief that we can't really express in 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 conjunction with one another, like we are used to because of the coronavirus, it's really hard. I'm having a really hard time and, hey, well, I, and I'm sharing well, that because not to, for sympathy, but because I think that the best thing you can do that I've learned is when you're in trouble is to say so and to, and to reach out and say, Hey, I'm in trouble. I need help. And, and I'm glad you're doing that. And you know, I've got, and you know, I've got your back on. Oh, always. and a lot of other people and, 
And since you mentioned it, yes, I, I do want to speak on that real quick because of my because of my friend Edith Ehrenberg. Uh, Edith was a gentle, wonderful soul, uh, and a person who I have, and a person who I only knew this person a year, but it was as if we had been friends forever. I mean, we be, I mean, we had become really close, fast friends, and we had become like tight, like like sisters and besties, and. But she had, a, but there was a lot, you know, trans, lava, hey, trans folks, we go, we, we teleport through trauma. And her and I talked about that a lot, just the trauma of trying to be ourselves. And that trauma, and that trauma caught up to her 10 days ago, and she, she killed herself. And this past, this past weekend, um, this past weekend, Palm Sunday, it was hard. I mean, it was, I mean, let me just put it this way. The congregation that she belonged to up in up in Western Massachusetts, it's gonna, I mean, this this will be an exceptionally sad Passover because Passover was her time. She was a very, very devout Jew. It's one thing I knew about her. And for I mean, for her faith, I mean, for her. Faith, faith, tra faith, transness, knife, femininity were things that she guarded with her life. I mean, she was, and in many ways, one thing I got from her more than anything else was not only that, not only that love and respect of sisterhood is women, but that sisterhood is girls. And she really taught me how to, and I learned from her how to channel and and how to channel and embrace that that little girl inside you that you probably never really got to be, but now you can be that now. And I, if there's one thing I'll take from her, it's that. And like you said, it was it was hard, but it was great to be even in a virtual ser service where you're surrounded by 300 people on a Zoom. All all crying together, commiserating together, laughing together. And I, and I think that's the one thing, even if it's virtual, we can always, we, we can be, a, we can be socially distant, but we don't have to be distant. We can reach out and Dawn, you ever need it. You reach out. All right. I am. I am. I, uh, you know, I, I have uh, mental health professionals who help me. I have my medication. I have my family. If Passover starting tonight, uh, this is Wednesday and, Passover begins, we'll do a Seder, and we're going to do the Ennis version of the Seder, which is sort of like the Evelyn Wood speed reading uh, Seder. Um, <laughs> no offense to our relatives who sit for hours reading every single page, including the table of contents. But um, we like to get to the feast, which is the most important part. Well, okay, it's not the most important part. The story is the most important part. But, you know, you know. You know, other things like the eating is good, you know. <laughs> I wrote hey. I wrote a little um because we did the um form spiel about the Lion King this year at our temple, I wrote a little thing that I thought I'd share with everyone about um the uh the Seder. And it's a just a little verse, and I, I promised most people that I will not sing, but I, I think you'll hopefully forgive me. Hakuna Matata, we'll see you sooner or later. Hakuna Matata ain't gonna stop our Seder. I know many of us are worried about the next few days, but we'll get through this sea as we have throughout history. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's not all sadness. There's happiness too. 
I'll admit that made me laugh. I will tell you, Don, there's one thing that's been getting me through in a lot of ways. And you, I remember when you told me this a year, more than a year ago, and it's gotten me through a lot of tough times. It's something your rabbi said at the, at the, at the beginning as you were moving forward. It may be bad today. It'll probably be bad tomorrow, but it won't be bad always. Oh, you have a good memory. And that's the thing I always remember. Whenever it gets hard and wherever I feel depressed, I remember that point. I remember what you told me and I keep that and I keep that close because it is true. It's going to be tough right now. I mean, I mean, there's no question. You look at New York City and I've, I have friends down in the city right now. And it, that's a scary, I mean, that's a disaster movie that's going on right now. Yeah. And not to bring bring the people in central park or something. Oh my God. And yeah. And not, and not to bring a lot of politics into this, but come on. I mean, right now, nobody's a Democrat. Nobody's a Republican. Nobody's a socialist. Nobody's an anarchist. Nobody is an ardent right winger, left winger, whatever, or whatever wing on the bird you're at right now. We're all citizens of planet earth. And this is something of global concern. And we all need to just pull together, close ranks and realize this is, this is our planet. This is our species. This is our lives at stake right now. And we need to do everything we can to pull together so that we get through this. That's the important thing right now. Whatever it takes, put whatever rivalries that you have on hold, put whatever beefs you ever have on hold, and let's deal with the situation that's in front of all of us because we're all in this fix and we're all in it together. Oh, you don't make me sing that. I'm not going to sing High School Musical. <laughs> oh, but it is true. We're alone together. And um, why don't we get to the amazing interviews we've got on tape? First up, let me tell you what Caitlyn Jenner is up to. Don, how are Hi. you doing? Hi, Caitlyn. Hello. How are you? Well, you know, we're all under isolation and all that stuff. But how are you doing? How's... How's the uh, coronavirus in Malibu? Well, I don't know of any cases, so that's good. And fortunately, I live kind of out in the middle of the far end of Malibu. So I live on oh, I remember. You know, <laughs> acreage and I'm on top of a hill with a beautiful view. And so if you were ever going to get stuck someplace, this is kind of a nice place to be stuck. I got to say, I've been in a lot of nice houses. <laughs> <laughs> and there are very few places where I'd want to be self-isolated, you know, all alone by myself. But if you had to pick where Caitlin lives at the very top of a mountain overlooking the clouds in Malibu, it's called the marine layer, not the clouds, but it looks like clouds. It's just amazing. And it's not a very big house, but Carly, it's just luxurious with an amazing view and an infinity pool and just all these amazing, amazing uh, memories from her Olympic career. Don, I'm jealous. I'd like to see that house. <laughs> Dawn, I'd like, I'd like to see that house. I'd like, I'd like to at some point meet, meet her. We're trying to kind of self-isolate ourselves, uh, right. not spread anything, and uh, just laying low for a while. Uh, this, you know, won't last forever. Um, it has, you know, greatly affected business in this mm-hmm. country yes indeed. and um hopefully it doesn't last very long and the impact is not too bad and and we can get back 
you know, to normal. It's well, just what gonna about, take some time. What about sports though? And I, I imagine that summer games must have had a personal connection with you, not seeing the Olympians be able to compete this year. I mean, all the sports are canceled, but what was uh, what was your feeling about hearing about the Olympics being postponed for a year? Uh, first of all, I wasn't shocked. Um, disappointed, yes. Um, I, you know, I ran in 76 and then retired. Uh, four years later in 1980, because of the Soviet Union's involvement in Afghanistan, uh, Jimmy Carter uh, boycotted the, you know, boycotted the games, and we didn't go in 1980. And for me, I felt so bad for all the athletes. The good news here is it's not canceled. It's just a year later. But for so many athletes who have been training all winter long, preparing themselves for the games this summer, um, you know, it, it takes a year of preparation to get ready for that performance. Um, and now all of a sudden, wait a second, now it's two years away. Um, you know, you may lose some athletes, can't quite make it that long. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm glad it's only one year canceled. So yeah, a lot of lives are turned upside down um, and the athletes will just have to adjust. But the good news, it's not canceled. It's just delayed one year. So the games will still go on. Now, I know you're an avid golfer. Um, have you found a way to keep practicing despite the, uh, the rules about staying at home? I didn't see a, a putting green when I was at your house last four years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do have some ways on the property to be able to practice a little bit of, of, of a swing. Um, yeah, the golf games kind of, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> on how to swing the golf club, uh, how to grip it properly, and you know, kind of put things in my head. So hopefully, when all of this comes back, uh, the game won't be affected too much. But no, I love you know, golf is kind of my my game. Uh, yeah, I enjoy playing it. Um, you know, uh, I enjoy working on it. I've I've always been involved in sport, and so uh, it's the one game that you can play you know, in, you know, playing in the fourth quarter of your life and still improve. I'm, I still get better today. And, um, and I, I enjoy working on it. Um, I, you know, I've always been involved in athletics and I, I enjoy working on the game. So I do. I did like, like listening to the entire interview is that Kaylin isn't talking, she's doing, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Let's, and let's, she's doing let's a play lot. some of that. In, in 2005 or 15, when I came out, my mission was, uh, obviously, I had to come out publicly. I couldn't do it privately. Um, but I thought in doing that, can I try to make a difference? And boy, did I have a lot to learn. Um, it's a very complicated community. Um, and I had a lot to learn. And and probably did some things that I thought were right, but within the community, they didn't think it was right. But I was just trying to use my platform uh, to make things better for other people. Um, you know, through the foundation, I kind of started that way. Um, and obviously one thing that uh, is, you know, is so needed um, is financing. And I did a deal with, 
Mac sale of lipsticks. We raised a couple of million dollars. I remember to give that. Yeah, to give that away, and through the my foundation, that kind of inspired me to start my own foundation. And um, I, I've worked very hard, you know, not only personally putting money in there, but also uh, have finding some just really great people to kind of join in this crusade. And, and what I've tried to do, especially now, uh, is invest in this community. You know, I talked about, you know, the, the LA Choir, Trans LA Choir, stuff like that. But recently, I started thinking a lot. And I started thinking, you know what I want to do is I want to invest um, in trans people, education, this next generation that's coming up. We've done a couple of scholarships grants, um, uh, one up at the University of Oregon, a trans woman who is uh, working on her PhD to help her get through to her doctorate. Um, and then recently, uh, when Trump and that administration banned trans people from the military, which really ticked me off, read my piece in the Washington Post. I saw uh, that I yeah that I did about that. But because of that, there was this trans guy uh, who actually comes from a military family, uh, was in the ROTC program, was getting a scholarship uh, down at the University of Texas. And uh, uh, I helped him, you know, he lost his scholarship. So I thought, here's a great opportunity to try to make a difference in somebody's lives personally and, and help them with their education. You know, in the future, you know, I want trans doctors. I want trans lawyers. You know, I want trans business people. You know, and the way you do that is educate this next generation coming up. You know, I have met so many young trans people. Um, and I, I think, honestly, that's wonderful. You don't have to, like in my case, I had to wait 65 years to live my life authentically. Um, just because of life and times and this and that. But uh, one thing I've noticed in my life, uh, once I got through all of that in, in 2015, how much simpler my life is today. You know, I just get up and be myself all day. Um, oh. I don't have to. I don't have to lie to anybody. I don't have to do this and that and sneak around or any of that sort of stuff. And you can kind of get on with life. You know, you can get so, on with life now. All that is behind me. And so, yeah, let's just live life. You know, and enjoy it with a smile on your face. Well, I'm so grateful for this time. I hope that, you know, because you're in that age group, you stay careful. Be be healthy. Don't uh don't oh, yeah. risk. wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> don't you worry. I'm looking at the sink right now and it's got all the disinfectant stuff right next to it. You got it. Okay, that's great. We'll talk again. And thank you, Caitlin. Thank you. One thing I really liked about this this interview overall, and we were talking at, at length about about what Caitlin has meant to the overall picture. And it's given me a it's given me a different perspective. Because I've had a very conflictive I've been conflicted about Caitlyn Jenner for since the beginning. Because on one hand, 
Yes, Caitlin has been problematic, has said problematic things, done problematic things, but also her story and my stories mirror each other so much in many ways, except bank account, that <laughs> I'm I am very protective of her, even at the even if I am rather infuriated with her, which has been often on and off. But at yeah, the same time, very protective yeah. because yeah. I mean our story because. I'll say this, the, the night that, that when she was interviewed, that first interview by Diane Sora, when she came out and revealed mm -hmm. everything, I went yep. through a box, I went through, I went through a new box of Kleenex that night. Five years ago this month. Yeah. Has it been that long? Yeah. Wow. This, but I remember that night. I remember that night just hearing her story and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, this, per this Olympic champion knows my story. Because that's mm -hmm. what it was. I was bawling that night. I remember going to work the next day. I remember going to work the next day thinking and 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 part of the job working on a television network was where I'm I'm I had a I'm watching the interview again and cutting bites from it. It it Dawn, I'll tell you, I mean, for at that moment, I was like, you know, there may be that was a that was a point where another seed in my own soul was planted. And I was sure. thinking, you know, maybe there's a way through. Maybe there's a way through this after all. Mm. And. Yeah, that that was for me just a moment. And ever since then, it's been it's been nuanced and your interview in many ways further, like develop that nuance. Well, thank you. I, I will tell you that I was less than a year out of ABC when the interview happened. And part of me was very sad that I wasn't there with ABC getting this on television. And another part of me was really, really happy that I wasn't involved, that I could experience it as a viewer, that I could experience it as a reporter for The Advocate. I was uh, writing the story for The Advocate before I became the, uh, the uh, news editor. And I'll, I'll be very clear, um, it would have been too hard, I think, to have been directly involved with ABC, given everything that had been going on at ABC, uh, if I had been involved, but, which I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm still, you know, I have to be uh, dispassionate and unbiased. She's still a 70-year-old white Republican, and um, she was more concerned about how this is going to affect the economy um, how it's going to affect, uh, you know, Olympians and sports and things. And I, I just, you know, because she's distant from most people, she didn't really seem to have, as you heard, you know, any connection to the coronavirus herself. So it's just, um, and she's in an age group. I, I really worry for her. I told her, I said, better wash your hands. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, but at the same time, Dawn, that's to be expected. I agree. I mean, I, agree. That, I know it's, it's I mean, what we're talking about, right? And, and, yeah, about. and that's yeah, and that and that's the thing also that kind of that's the thing that that leads me, for example, to take some of off my fat off my self righteous indignation fastball when discussing Caitlyn, because I hmm. understand where Caitlyn is at this point in her life and who she is and what she is. I'm not expecting. I mean. I'm not expecting Caitlyn, for example, to I'm not I'm not exactly expecting her to hit the streets, even though that would be kind of I mean, that would be an odd coupling her and I at a protest together. It'd be a, I mean, I'm not sure she would appreciate me waving a trans flag with a hammer and sickle on it. But 
I think there are a lot of people who might have problems with that. <laughs> um, I, I, hmm. I know, I know you would, for example, looking in the mirror. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, I know you would, but my no, but the thing is, one thing I will give her a lot of credit and a lot of respect for is that after the is for two things: one, to have the self reflection to say I didn't know everything, I didn't know what I thought I knew, mm. but also the fact that she is quietly but definitely putting her money where her mouth is like help, helping the kid at the university of Texas. I was, I was just, while we were playing the clips, I was reading over that story again. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, that's a big deal. Take, take all the feelings you may have about what the kid, what the kid's career path was or et cetera aside. And, and I know, I mean, taking all my own personal political feelings aside for a second, for a second, that was a good thing that was being done at that moment, at that moment, a need was there, and she said, "Okay, what I can do to fill this? What, she, what she's doing for Bethany, helping Bethany complete that PhD, talking about investing in the community. That's not a bad. Hey, that's a good thing. I do. Lord say knows that, we need it. I, I will say that, um, except for doing it in this interview at my prompting, she's been doing a lot of this stuff behind the scenes and does not often tag her name on to these um, philanthropic philanthropic efforts. So, you know." It's one thing when you do something and you say, hey, look at me. But when you do it behind the scenes and, you, and you're and you know, supporting Bethany Grace Howe, uh, you're supporting this uh, trans man, those are great things that she's doing. And I don't think we give her enough credit for those kind of things. And, um, I, and I, that's I, exactly I, my point, too, is that she isn't, she isn't crowing about it. She isn't shouting it from the rooftop. She's just doing the work. Right. And I'm glad that she also admitted, like, you know, she had a lot to learn. We have another interview coming up after this break because oh there's that sound athena del rosario handball goalie for team usa stay with us and we're back to the transporter room carly tell me what your knowledge is what do you know about athena del rosario have you had any interactions with her have you followed her well i i know she's a, i know she was a she was a solid co collegiate goalie in in college soccer who became uh, who became quite a team handball goalie and is now is a beach is now a beach handball goalkeeper for Team USA. I just hoping to be able to in, inspire hope in light of these things that are going on because you know and what the the premier sports organization in the, in the country, Team USA, which is what every athlete I would think would inspire to be a part of, uh, is accepting us, and they want us to be there, and they're welcoming us, and they don't care what conservatives and Republicans are trying to do to us. The, I've been assured by the CEO of USA Handball that, that uh, they're um, very accepting and open, open uh, of trans athletes. And um, he has my back 100%. Um, so, you know, I want people to realize that despite what's going on in Idaho, and even if they do want to carry on, continue what they're doing, they can't stop us. They, they can't stop us because they, they, you know, these private organizations, it's up to them. So, you know, they can't tell a private organization not to have it. So hopefully by having a little bit of representation, <laughs> on Team USA, the people can see that this is not the end of the world. 
and I do, I do have things to work for. I, I can set my goals. There's kids, hopefully, that are, maybe there's trans kids in high school that have dreams and things like that, and they're seeing these things come up the pipe, and they're wondering what's going to happen. What's going to happen in the next 10 years? Maybe um, this thing will continue and, and get some steam, and there'll be more people against trans athletes and things like that, but as long as we're out there uh, representing in our sports and, and and being good people and doing what we're supposed to do, you know, I got people like USA Team Handball, CEO, who have my back, and they don't care what Republicans are doing uh, to us, and they're not going to stop us. So hopefully it'll just give some hope to some people out there who are, who are feeling hopeless, especially people in Idaho and things like that, you know. So I put, I put out a long string of tweets saying, you know, that even though they, they can do these things, they can make these laws, but there's they can't. They can't stop us because they can't control these private organizations like clubs. They can't control ASO. They can't go to AYSO and say, hey, you can't let these people join your club. They can't, you know what I mean? Like, so that that was my idea of putting putting those things up. To see trans women in a, in a USA jersey uh, saying that this, you know, you could do this too despite what everything's going on right now. It doesn't matter. You focus on, you know, your goals and your future. It's, everything's fine for you. It'll, it'll work out. One thing I do know, just like following her on her Twitter, is that she has very definite opinions on a lot of things, which means her and I could share a glass of wine together because we because I have very definite opinions on a lot of things, too. I agree with that. And we you and I, you know, you and I sometimes disagree about stuff. Sometimes and just, you know, I, I, look, we come from so, different, we come from different worlds, but mm -hmm. that's the beauty of our friendship is that we respect each other's different opinions. I'll give you one that you're not going to expect. I think the reason we're having the ventilator crisis and the mask crisis and the toilet paper crisis is completely because of capitalism. Capitalism is to blame. Now, did you expect I would say something like that? It means I'm rubbing off on you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get sexual. <laughs> no, means, it's that, that I can it's... see that in, in a uh, less capitalistic society, this would not be a problem. We should not be fighting over toilet paper or having states outbid each other on eBay <laughs> to get ventilators. It's just insane. But this is not how it's supposed to work. Yeah, but to me, it goes beyond whatever whatever mode of economic system that you follow. That's what, like I was saying earlier, the primary thing should be right now, what is the best thing we need to do for what we need to do to survive and well, that would be through this? That would be to join together and try to, you know, find ways of um, appreciating other people's point of view and to have discussions as adults. Unfortunately... There was a tweet last Friday night. The tweet was from Outsports. And we asked our followers, our readers, what do we think of Aiden Zane getting eliminated from Drag Race? Is it about time? And aside from the tweet that asked people not to spoil the episode for those who hadn't seen it yet, um, there was a uh, complaint from Athena Del Rosario, whose handle is Ms goalie queen and she called the person who tweeted that ignorant 
And I personally found that offensive because I happen to like our deputy managing editor, Alex Reamer. Uh, and I said, he's not ignorant. You can critique anything you want, but don't accuse someone on my team of uh, being ignorant and making an ad hominem attack. She came back telling me that I was promoting trans face and I'm enabling it. And that Outsports is supporting what she calls trans face. Trans face is a word that came up because people didn't like cisgender actors portraying uh, transgender characters. And now she's adopted the word trans face, which comes from blackface. And she's put that into a, um, she says it's not a campaign or an agenda, but she's against drag. And I'd like to play a little part of me asking her last week why, where she stands on drag and why she feels that she does. I had an interesting exchange recently with a, a woman of color and she was, she was objecting to somebody's use of the word blackface. And she was um, upset because the actor was saying that um, actors who are playing trans should not be cis. And that's just like blackface. And this woman said, you know, that's really insulting because nothing's like blackface. Blackface is like blackface. And if you want to come up with your own word, um, that's fine. And I jumped in the conversation. I said, well, we call it transface. And they both thanked me for that. And I said to her, I said, you know, even though it's nothing like blackface, it's the closest thing we can come up with to compare it to. Um, so I think that's why people use that word. And I don't think they mean, you know, ill intent. And I also added, but intention doesn't mean anything. <laughs> if you're offended, you're offended, you know. Um, so where have you gone in terms of that argument? We were discussing last time we were uh, conversing about how, um, you know, drag to you is is uh, equivalent to trans face or black face or some other uh, version. Have you had any luck uh, with uh, with trying to convince people? I, you know, I'm not. It's not my. I'm not trying to convince anybody. Um, I, I'm not. So it's not like a mission for you. It's, it's not. It's not an agenda no. issue for you. No, not at all. I don't have any agenda. I mean, it's the way I feel is. It's people's own job to come up with their own conclusions. Mm, uh, I, I don't like. I think people should be influenced by anybody else except for examining for themselves. And then I, I like to ask questions. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like to ask a lot of questions. I, I like to ask why there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, drag queens who uh, exclude trans women, um, who try to persuade trans women into not transitioning. Um, who give trans women like Alexis Arquette wrong information um, to convince them not to transition, things like that. There's a lot of negativity coming from drag queens towards um, trans women. And there's a lot of the same attitude in the gay male community as well. So I think there's a lot of overlap between gay males and uh, uh, some type of, uh, I don't want to say um, hatred for trans people, but they don't see trans women as women. And I see them using drag. You know, they, they first of all, they're completely ignoring our concerns. They don't care. They're not listening to our concerns. Um, they're going out and making a living off this, doing shows in 
you know, bars that are 21 and over, uh, they're, they're very sexualized and, and things like that, and it's very a menstrual, much a menstrual show, and it very much reminds me of, uh, of blackface, because people go and they see these shows to, to almost to go and, and laugh and see how point, see how funny it is, go out with their friends and have a good time and things like that. I, I get that. But they're really going to, let's go see the tranny freak show. Ugh. Okay. That word, and, I hate that word. Yeah, well, they call they use that word all the time. A lot of drag queens love that word, and uh, you know, it, it really puts off this this bad um, perception that people who aren't in the LGBT community they really lump those drag queens in with us, and they're not doing anything to try and distance themselves from that. They're not giving any disclaimers at their shows saying that they're not trans women or anything like that. People go and they conflate us, and they don't know the difference. Oh, they think so it's just acting. Know. Yeah, it's just acting. What's the big deal? Yeah. Well, right. fortunately, no, this actor, no this actor doesn't think so. Thank goodness. Um, he's uh, Anthony yeah. Rapp. He's on Star Trek Discovery. Okay. He's a good guy. So, um, but but yeah. yeah, but no, I, I'm glad to hear you talk about it because I think what what I think what the problem is is that because there are some trans women who choose to do drag, like they are, you know, part of the whole drag it's not scene. Drag. That's not drag. Well, How is that drag? Because they perform as a drag artist, drag performer. They call themselves what's a drag, drag performer. performer though? But is, what's a drag performer? Um, I can call myself anything. It doesn't mean that. Right. Well, words words are meant to describe things. And in this particular case, drag means someone who is accentuating the uh, feminine for outrageous effect. And... Uh, it doesn't have to be a man playing drag. I mean, there are drag kings. There are women who perform as men, and they are still doing drag, even if it's not drag queens. They're drag kings, they call them. And, and, are there cis women that do drag as drag queens? Yeah, uh, drag queens. I mean, is that, um, is that I, except for Victor Victoria, the movie with Julie Andrews, I can't think of any cis women who do drag queen. But there are cisgender women who do drag king. And yeah. there are trans women who do drag queen. And they were on that show, RuPaul. And there's been a couple of trans women who came off RuPaul and then either transitioned afterwards or were transitioning in the middle of it. I mean, I, well, I, I, I told you before, I hate drag. I personally, I cannot stand it. I don't like it. I don't want to watch it. I've had to sit through two shows, uh, three shows so far in my life. And in both cases, I walked out. Because for me, people don't, get the difference between someone who goes in and puts on uh, a costume or a, um, a bunch of makeup and then goes back to living as a guy and that's just an act to me right. and it's not who I am right. you know okay so I mean to, to the way I see it is I don't see uh, to me I don't think a trans woman can be a drag queen you can call yourself a drag queen all you want but it doesn't make you one if, if you want to go out and perform and do lip syncs and, and things like that you want to do your makeup and put on a wig uh, things like that. Cis women do that all the time, and they don't call themselves drag queens. To me, if you call a, a, a trans woman calling herself a drag queen is like the same thing as calling as calling yourself a man, because a drag queen is, is a, a man uh, impersonating a female and accentuating that and making a female look silly and and things like that. You know what I mean? It's like caricature. It's, very much like a white person doing a caricature of a black person. It's the same thing to me. I hear you. Um, and people go to point, laugh, have a good time. And they go home, 
uh, and they keep those memories with them. And when they're on the Internet and when they're making votes and they're voting for and talking about trans issues, they got that drag queen in their mind because that's who they've seen. And that bothers me. Oh, absolutely. Someone right with you. Exactly. You know? And so... Because I'm not a drag queen. I'm not, I'm not pretending to be somebody. I am me. And this is not an act or a costume. Yeah. There was a lot there to be sure. A lot, a lot of food for thought and a lot to talk about. Tell me what you think of drag and about the word blackface or uh, blackface as it is used in the trans community to compare what Athena's talking about there. Well, I, I have to preface this by saying that I have friends who are drag performers. I mean, the vast majority of them are trans. Some of them are cis. The, the vast majority of people I know who are in, who are in drag are not only just excellent performers that they, but they are, but they are serious world-class allies to trans causes, to, to trans causes. I know a group who live down in New Haven, Connecticut, who are a troop who are, who are cis people, trans people, non-binary people all over the place. And they are all staunch allies when, when this community and, and most recently those staunch allies got together and have done a lot of great things for got a great things for our community. For example, this troop, goes out ever this troupe does a does a benefit show where it's an entire day of performances and the proceeds go to trans lifeline for example these are people that that not only understand the performing art they understand the resistance and the history behind that art now unfortunately not everybody does that and i can understand where athena's coming from i can understand where you're coming from as well because there is a lot of people who who do not understand the history and the resistance in many ways behind this art and they've used it for commercialism that's one reason why for example i'm not a fan of rupaul's drag race i'm not a fan because i see this commercialization i see this this gross commercialization to me it's like it's it rubs me the way that that seeing all these different suppliers of alcohol having pride floats rubs me it rubs me the wrong way and it's the same thing with with the commercialization of it but also the commercial i could deal with the commercialization but it's the commercialization plus the trans the inherent transphobia that i've seen for season after season after season of things like drag race and what i see among those who see this more as a shallow performance or art and not something more than that. So for me, that's where my ire lies. It's not so much on the art form itself. It's on how people have used the art form. Now, as far as the, as far as the whole idea behind blackface, I could see where people have that, have that distinction and I can allow that. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with necessarily likening the term trans face to blackface so as long as the people and so as long as people understand that these are very different things entirely and also if people understand the history behind it and i but and that goes back more or less to one thing i truly believe that a lot of the reasons why you have some of the things that you're having and in some ways you have some of the ignorance that you see in general across all these different issues is not so much that people are willfully ignorant is that people do not read and understand the history that has become before them that has led us to this present moment 
I think that a couple things. You are not the person of color I referred to in my interview with Athena. Second, I think we should not worry about labels so much and worry more about what is the overall impact of what we do. Exactly. Athena, Athena makes the case that for her, drag is offensive. Her solution to that problem is drag should stop. There should be no more drag. I don't agree with that, not because I don't, I'm not sensitive to her being offended or I'm sensitive or insensitive to her reasons for why it's offensive. But the problem is it is a legitimate form of entertainment that is enjoyed by a vast majority of cis and gay and lesbians and other people and trans people. It employs trans people when we could actually have places to go and be entertained. We can't do that anymore. Not right now. But it is inherently not offensive. It is an exaggeration. It is a, how do I put it, a over-the-top demonstration of femininity. And I think if people were super sensitive, there'd be lots of things we would not allow. I mean, this is why people burn books, for goodness sake, because they can't handle being exposed to things they don't like. Well, I'm sorry, Athena. We're not going to burn down drag. If you don't like it, don't go. If you don't, if you're not in favor of um, transgender people, don't transition. If you don't like same-sex marriage, don't marry a gay guy. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I wish the world would stop thinking that cancel culture is the way forward. We all just have to get along. Well, I think it's a matter of, well, well, I will fully admit at times some things need to be canceled. Okay. There are some, th some things need to be canceled. I don't think cancel, cancel culture within itself. To, and again, these are How about are Donald very, Trump? Let's cancel him. How about that? Well, I mean, that's an example of something <laughs> that needs to be canceled. But, but for me, when I hear the term cancel culture, I always make it a point of asking someone exactly what do you, I mean, what do you mean when you're saying that? What's the context by which you're saying that? Because some things need to be canceled, some things don't. I think be, I think what we really need more than anything else, we need to all real we need to all understand that first, we need to have oftentimes we're making we're making these snap judgments based on based on our knee-jerk reaction to something or based on playing off of someone else's knee-jerk reaction to something. When we all, when all of us, no matter what the issue is, we need to take that extra, take it. There's nothing wrong with taking that step back and really thinking what's bothering me here before we make a, re before we respond. I think that what cancel culture means to me is book burning, is the refusal to allow others to have their likes and dislikes without us, you know, actually having harm. Drag is not harming anyone. What drag is doing is upsetting some people. And I respect that. And we at Outsports have had a discussion about this among the managers to make sure that we're going forward, conscious of the fact that there are some people who do not like drag. And we can do that, but it doesn't mean we're going to stop the uh, enjoyment of drag at Outsports. 
you know, there's an expression I've heard, Carly. It's called, don't yuck on my yum. Don't yuck my yum. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? We should, we should all do a lot better if we live by that. I, for me, I just think it's a good, I just think it's a, it's good that we, as, especially as trans people are having these discussions. I think we need to have more of them, not less. And not that's just about what, yeah. this issue, but a lot of issues. I think, I mean, that's one of the good things about this time where we're not so caught in the hub, in the, in the hubbub of our lives. It, I mean, and granted, this is not exact. I mean, this is not romanticizing the moment that we're in, but a good thing, at least for myself has been, it's given me some time to actually sit down and really think about, okay, what do I believe? What do I think about a particular issue? And as we go forward and have conversation, I think we should have more. And I think we should take this time to have more conversations, not less. I agree. So and really that's, why, to the that's why I think blocking people on Twitter. Now, it is important to have self-care. Everyone should block someone who makes them upset. But for Athena, this has been a thing where she um, blocks us and then unblocks us. Back a couple of months ago when the Super Bowl was playing, we did a story about drag queens being in an advertisement and Athena had this reaction where she said, well, if you're going to do stories about drag, then I'm going to promote the word puto because puto is not an offensive word. In what galaxy is that? Is that not offensive? <laughs> she herself considers herself identifies as Hispanic. And she says that for her and people she knows, it is not offensive. And, and, it, and it's a made up campaign. She says that we're making up a campaign. And I mean, and, and people have, I mean, like I said, there, I mean, there, there are prominent trans, I mean, there are prominent trans leaders who use the T word. Yes. I could think of one in particular. I mean, I don't agree. I don't agree with her use of that terminology. And I would, and I said so, but Hey, people are going to, Hey, people, People are going, some people are just going to say what they're going to say. Laura now, Jane Grace titled her memoir, Tranny. Yeah. But, but also, but also she better explain that why she did that. Yes, yeah, she did. Yeah. She did. She gave a full explanation as to, as to why. And I'll tell you what, and I'll tell you what, I'll buy it. But as far, at least among people I know in the community, that word's not to be used. What's your knowledge about puto? Which is um, not to be used. It's Spanish for That's a very, it, it, it. It's inferred to mean faggot. Yeah, I hate that word. I hate. But, I call it no, the f word. But the thing is, word. though, there. Oh, there's a. I mean, that's not the only word. I mean, believe me, be around. I mean, I mean, be trans, be trans, and say, be trans in this in a space that's uh, uh, be trans in certain Puerto Rican spaces. You'll hear those words, and they find out you are trans or you are clocked. You'll hear a lot. You'll hear words even worse than puto. But can we agree that turning a argument about drag and trans face into a I'm going to use the word puto? I mean, come on. And grow, well grow up. Well, my thing you is know? well, my thing is that's just meaningless, but a lot of that come but but there's a thing, but there's a place where a lot of that comes from. And I think that's one reason why it's good that we're having these discussions because trauma hits everyone differently. Agreed, and, and we that's should definitely the thing. Be, be, self care is most important, as I've said. Yeah, yeah. So, but but part of self care is also coming forward within the within a community within a like community of people and throwing that trauma out there. 
recently I had an opportunity to do that a couple months ago. And I'll tell, tell you, it was a, it was a very healing thing. It was, it was at, it was at a retreat for, I'm, I'm a, I'm a crisis operator for trans lifeline. Right. And recently our, our operator group, our lifeline core, we did a retreat as a unit together. We did a five day retreat as a unit. And one thing that we, and we did this exercise where we looked at, where we got this big poster board and we placed all our identities on this poster board. All the things that we are, all the things that we identify as, all the things that we do in our lives. Like for example, for example, I wrote down like journalist, I wrote down journalist and sportscaster and all these different things and podcaster, wrote down a lot of different things that, that identify who I am. And we would draw lines among and we would all come together and we would draw lines through all the identities that all of us wrote. And there was one place where every line of every person was there. And there's like 16 people here. They all, all those lines attached to trauma. Wow. Wow. And, and we took a time and many times to really talk about and really put forth all like talk about the sources of all our trauma. And for, for me and for us to be that vulnerable and that real as a unit was a very, I mean, for me, it was a very affirming. It was a very beautiful thing because for me, I've been, I, I often stay closed. I've mm. often stayed closed. I've, I mean, this, I mean, the last few years I've gotten a lot more open, but to be in a safe place to open up and, and deal with those, and deal with trauma and deal among a group of how to handle that trauma. That is it. No. And that has made me in many ways that experience and others like it have made me more aware to where to take that extra step back to see where people are coming from. Cool. Where is the, especially when you're, when you're hearing anger, yeah. where is it coming from? And hmm. a lot of that comes from, there's a lot of pain in our community. And there's a lot of trauma. And I think that's one thing we need to we need to look at as we have these discussions. The well, in in this particular case, that that non sequitur may have not been so much something serious, but some but a, a lashing out reaction because of trauma. Now I can't I can't necessarily speak for Athena, and I wouldn't wouldn't even supposed to do so. But I think we should we should be cognizant of that po of that possibility as we have discussions like this because there is because for for some people drag is a source of trauma drag is a source of trauma words are a source of trauma people say they're just words what is a word to you for example for example the n-word to somebody could be nothing could be nothing to them the n-word to me is a serious indictment it is it is a knife in the ribs to me yeah and Same with the f-word or the t-word yes, for me yeah and i have a light and i have a life of experiences that back that up sure you do and i just think we need to take i mean i just think as we even as we move through these conversations let's see what's underneath the skin well Sid Siegler we today is talking to sid talked to a um a drag performer who is a trans woman who played gay flag football with him and she is basically completely contradicting what athena wrote in a tweet where she said that drag is trans face, a poor and offensive representation of trans women it has nothing to do with sports at all. 
Well, here's someone who played flag football, who is trans, who did drag. So there you go. I mean, maybe it's only one anecdote, but I would imagine there are lots of trans and drag performers who enjoy sports. So us talking about drag in out sports, just like we talk about the movies, right. it's just another part of life. Here's something else that Athena said that really intrigued me, and I'd like to have your take on this. This is about drag queen story time. The other problem I have with it is that they, they're trying to expand beyond the club scene now. Now they're coming into libraries, and they're trying to do it. Oh, you mean the drag queen um, uh, reading, story, reading story thing? So you're against right. that, too? I, Are you against that, too? I'm absolutely against that. If you want to expose kids to... to having type of interactions with people who are expressing different types of gender expression Uh and have a trans person come in. You don't need to have some sexualized, uh, wacky clown uh, drag queen come in to read to kids. You can have a trans person come in. I'm sure there's plenty of trans people around the community that uh, feel like they're excluded away from kids and would love to come in and be able to, to, to share books and read and, and, and do things like that for their community. These drag queens, when they go and perform, they're performing sexualized performances, they're doing drugs in the club, drinking, getting drunk. It's, it's not for kids. It's not. Um, and it doesn't give a good example. It gives a very bad example. Uh, I have a really big problem with the drag kids, personally. I see a lot of sexualized pictures of the drag kids. <laughs> really, really bothers me. It really does. Um, I just don't think it's appropriate. I think it's a bad representation for an LGBT community. I I think that um, most people are are interested in it only because they think that it's how do I put this easier to explain to a kid than trans. In other words, a drag queen is someone who pretends and dresses up, and they're not really pretending or being a lady they're just pretending to be kids get pretend and they're afraid and they're afraid of this of explaining what trans is which is that um you know someone was born a boy and now they're living as a girl and that's in parents minds that's sexualization and that's too hard for parents to understand or explain so i find and this is the case i've found over and over again that drag queen story hour is viewed as harmless whereas a trans teacher would be something that would be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, see, it's, I mean, that's a pretty twisted point of view um, to see it like that, you know what I mean? But maybe it comes off like that because of all the negative perception that's been put out there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And a huge part of that negative perception that's been put out there in the forefront, been put out there on the news, uh, this is why I get pissed off when I see drag queens on commercials. Like, I'm sure there there is a company owned by a trans woman that could have had that spot. That would have been much better if you're trying to get some type of uh, LGBT representation or something like that. They're just, they could make better choices about who they choose to represent us. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing that. And uh, when I see especially LGBT uh, media outlets, also doing that same thing, uh, promoting promoting these things, it, it gets me because it just continues that uh, that that perception and, and that representation. 
uh, like you said, it might not be your, um, your uh, what do you call it, your intention to do that when you're promoting drag queens. You might think you have good intentions, you know? Your thoughts on that? Mm, a lot of different thoughts on that. I understand the apprehension about the kids. I have a little bit about that myself. It, that's a tough one for me. Because on one hand, if kids really are like investigating certain things about themselves, what's the harm in it? I mean, nobody, I mean, all of a sudden, nobody, when, when we were playing, say, when we were playing like Dodge City and Cowboys as, as youth, for example, I don't think anybody immediately thought that we immediately wanted to be gun-toning maniacs. But I also understand that there is, I mean, there is that clear and present danger that certain things that can be brought to the wrong end. Now, I haven't heard of anyone perform. I mean, I have yet to see, at least in my experience, a, a little kid under age performing at an over 21 spot. Now, I have known that some things have happened like that, but in each case, it was one during the day, two, no alcohol was served, three, it was a benefit of some type. So, I mean, I mean for the most part, proprietors are... To me, that's just one of those things where, okay, some people are are putting forth an argument with with are putting forth an argument without telling the entire story. And if there's one thing, especially trans people and trans athletes know, it's that it's that because so often we are so often our stories are told without nuance or or some basic part of the story that would like be the key to the whole thing's left out. Overall, it's just a matter of it comes back to, again, these conversations need, as difficult as they can be, need to be had within and amongst ourselves and our trans family. Yeah, I think conversations are good. In this last part of our interview, I asked Athena about the coronavirus and its impact on her following facial feminization surgery. Right now, I, I would be actually probably getting back into the gym. Um, but I can't, so I'm trying to work out at home, and I'm trying to just, you know, like I said, like I'm using like my VR system. Sure. And so you you could meetings. physically work out, but you can't because of the pandemic. Exactly. Like I can go outside, and yeah, we just have to do work around it. It sucks for it. Really does suck for the for the team sports because mm -hmm. we can't see each other, we can't practice or anything like that. So, oh mm -hmm. yeah, but I mean, it's good. For, it's almost worked out for me because, you know, I had surgery in, in February and there were training camps and selection camps that I wasn't going to be able to make because of my recovery. And they've every single one of them has been postponed now. So I'm not going to be missing any of the huh. training or selection camps. What, so. what, wow, what a coincidence. It's like serendipity. Yeah, so yeah. worked out in that way for me. Sure. But, you know, not so much good for the team. Like, no, I'm sure they're disappointed. <laughs> and And what about in terms of... You know, this has just been a really um, stressful, anxious time. I mean, we've never lived through anything like this, and people's anxiety levels are through the roof. Have you found sort of a, a zen, a peace, or are you also feeling anxious? I'm not really anxious. Um, you know, it looks like the the death rate is very, very low. And, you know, for the amount of people that we have in the United States, for the amount of people that are in my city and the amount of people that have it, it just... The chance of me even running into somebody with it seems very small, and you know I think um, I mean I don't even get the flu shot. You know what I mean? Like I'm a pretty healthy individual. 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really too scared to tell you the truth. But you know, I do have people in my life that are vulnerable, um, that are at risk, and those people I do care about. So for me, like, I'm really trying to stay away and do everything I'm supposed to be doing so I don't get sick, so I don't pass it on to people that I care about. That's, that's, well, that's smart. That I'm worried about. Yeah, that's yeah. smart. We don't want to do that. Yeah. Thank you, Athena. I'm so glad we got a chance to talk. I hope you're well. My best to your wife. Tell her not to worry. Okay, sounds good. All right, you take care. Bye. I want to use this time to basically say, Athena, you should definitely block whoever is that's upsetting you. You should definitely avoid anyone that makes you feel either unappreciated or misunderstood, and that self-care is most important. But at the same time, since you're still following our Transporter Room Twitter account, I hope that you'll keep the channels open and that we can continue to have conversations and that I hope by presenting your opinions in this podcast today, um, I've given you a fair shake. At least I've tried. Carly, I'd like to ask you before we go, you had talked earlier about why Star Trek Picard meant so much to you. Tell everyone who's listening, what was it that made it so important? And I'm so glad you caught up. What made it for me was, in a sense, it wasn't about. I'm going to put it this way: I've heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of people complain. Even before I, I, I went ahead and started watching, I heard a lot of people complain about it doesn't have enough action, it didn't have enough this, it doesn't have enough that. It's just cashing in on, it's cashing in on next generation nostalgia, blah blah blah. First off, it's not. Yes, there are people from the next generation on it, but. I don't that, but this particular work does not remind me of next generation at all. If anything, it stands on its own. It, if nothing else, I like what I really like the fact. And one thing that I really enjoyed about it that first sucked me into it was that there was a passage of time. They weren't trying to hearken me back to encounter at far point. And just so you know, encounter at far point was 30 years ago. That's how far back we're talking here. And it was giving me the look forward. And for me, and the second thing is, if if you were looking, if all you could see from Picard was the action that you didn't get, you missed the point. In my mind, you completely missed the point of this work. This was... This quest was just a conduit to something greater. And it's an examination. It's something that we all do at some point in our life. And we look at who are we, where are we now, and how do we fit now? And that's the bigger, that is the bigger quest for Jean-Luc Picard. He's at that point where he's realizing, I'm seeing my mortality. And, and that mortality is coming close to a lot like what Caitlin was saying. This is the fourth quarter of my life. Picard is seeing that. This is the fourth quarter of my life. And, and um, without giving away spoilers, just going to Picard is seeing, seeing that the end is closer and closer and closer. An end to a life. And he's wondering, what do I do now? What happens to a lion in winter? That was what Picard meant to me. And it means a lot to me, even though hopefully I'm not a lion and winner yet. I have those same thoughts. Where am I? I mean, where do I fit now? 
now that I'm undergoing the quest that I'm going on and moving forward, where do I fit now? Where's my place now? Where am where are my talents best suited? And Picard is looking at the same thing because much like him, I look and say, I'm not done. I'm not done yet. I'm far Damn from straight. done. There's more. Damn straight. There's but more I can do. And that's, that's right. where Picard was. So that was the whole point of this work. It wasn't about laser battles or red alerts. It was really just about the, it was really an examination into the self. And yeah, for I'm me, happy it really it, yeah. got me to think of, and for me, it got me thinking about those things. And yeah. that that's what that work meant to me. And I, I'm looking forward to season two. Me too. I'm so excited. And in the meantime, I'm actually uh, thinking I might uh, start, watch the series over again, just because sometimes you see things a second time around, you don't catch the first time. Well, that's all the time we have for right now. It's been a really long but great episode. I'm so glad we got to hear both from Caitlyn Jenner. Thank you very much, Caitlyn. And also from Athena, who we hope we can keep communication lines open. And if you don't mind, Carly, we'll always keep our hailing frequencies open. Always. Why don't you, why don't you set us on course for the next episode? I'll see you next week, Carly. I'll see you next week. Steady as she goes, Commander Dawn. Captain to you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, ad, okay, admiral. Admiral. <laughs> admiral. Uh, all the best. Take care.